Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the New Testament book of 2 Timothy. The New Testament book of 2 Timothy and 2 Timothy and chapter number 2. The book of 2 Timothy and chapter number 2. We're continuing to this series dealing with the Word of God. And we're just taking our time hitting different aspects of the Word of God for the purpose that you can have confidence. This is God's Word and God's Word will get its own work accomplished. We've been taking just a week at a time to talk about inspiration, to talk about some of the special features of the Bible, to speak about preservation, and we've been taking some time this week to speak about biblical interpretation, how to properly interpret the Bible. And this is important because if we have the wrong interpretation, not only is it wrong, but it can be harmful to those that interpret it wrong and those that are taught wrong. So with that in mind, turn with me to the book of 2 Timothy chapter number 2. The book of 2 Timothy chapter number 2, and if you don't mind looking with me in 2 Timothy chapter 2, let's begin together starting at verse number 14. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 14, the word of God says this, Of these things put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to subverting of the hearers. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And their word will eat as doth a canker, of whom is Hymenaeus and Phileus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And let every one that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of 2 Timothy chapter number 2? The book of 2 Timothy chapter number 2, and notice with me at the end of verse number 15, the phrase, rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly dividing the word of of truth. And with the Lord's help, we want to explain this passage to us in dealing with the idea of rightly dividing the word of truth. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And thank you that we could go to your Bible and find out what you meant by your Bible. And we could know the process of it. I'm asking that this would be an encouragement to each of these folks to decide for themselves to be students of your word. And understanding that they can 
and the importance of studying your word. I'm asking, Lord, that you would just be with me. Put your Holy Spirit in charge, that you do your own work. Guide us even now, that it be not my thoughts, my ways, but you would be carrying everything through so you get the glory and honor, and that you could be a help to those that hear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we start this passage, the first thing we want to bring our attention to is that rightly dividing the word of truth takes work. Rightly dividing the word of truth takes work. Again, in verse number 15, study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. That we know that studying God's word is work. That's why a lot of people don't do it. Because it takes work. It's that four-letter word there, work. But we understand that if we're going to rightly divide God's word, that it does take work. How does this work? Well, first of all, as we're studying this rightly dividing, the word takes work. We could see diligence in study. Diligence in study. Notice in verse 15, study to show thyself approved unto God. The goal is to study ourselves approved unto God. The word study here is very interesting. It carries the idea of hurrying to do something and exerting oneself. Man, if that's a good definition for every kid in school, you know why I don't like to study? Because it exerts myself. Well, yeah, that's true. It's work. It's work to hurry and do something, to exert yourself, to get it done. It's not something that occurs to uh, study the Bible. It doesn't occur just because you heard a couple of messages. It doesn't occur because you read a couple of articles or you saw a Christian magazine or even took a correspondence course. The idea of studying God's word is that you're spending time in exerting yourself and looking at it. Now, let me put an asterisk here. When I go through this idea of work and studying the Bible, it is not to dissuade you from being students of the Bible. Any Christian can learn how to study the Bible. And every Christian should be a student of the Bible. But we want to let you know that it takes work. Just because you heard a message once doesn't mean you know everything about the Bible. It's been amazing over the years to see people who come up who will tell me where I'm wrong who's never once read the Bible. <laughs> it is what it is, but it takes work. Let's take, for example, a doctor. It takes seven years of intensive training to become a medical doctor. On top of that, it takes about three to four years of additional study to become proficient and specialize in a field of medicine. Then after that, it takes a continued lifetime of study for and continuous um, uh, study afterwards to stay current in the field. Well, that's important medicine. Aren't, don't you hope that your doctor studied? Aren't you hoping that he's diligent in what he does? Well, the same thing's true with the word of God, the word of life. Anyone who's become an authority on a subject has to study for it, has to be diligent in it, has to spend time in it. Much more if he is going to be someone who speaks with authority about the Bible, meaning a Sunday school teacher or a preacher 
or someone of that sort that you want to speak with authority. This is what God's word said and this is what we should do about it. It takes study to do that correctly. Diligently study requires time, commitment, and hard work. It is only by that type of study can a student of the scripture show himself approved unto God. That word shows, interesting, it carries the idea to present, to present. So when we understand that when we're studying the word of God, that we may have an audience, but the true person we're presenting it to is to God. Maybe I could give a different type of illustration. You remember when you were in high school and you had to write a research paper, an essay, and you had to put it together and you had to study. And then you had to make a presentation in class. And when you made that presentation in class, your classmates were there. But were they, one, were they the ones grading your paper? No, they're just the audience. Your teacher was the authority. They were the one to judge your work. And you had to present your work. When it says here, study to show thyself approved unto God. It carries the idea that every time that we present God's word, we are presenting it to be judged and evaluated by God. And I'm hoping to get an A. Everyone else who listens is just the audience, but my goal is not to please you. My goal is to please him. Now, I'm hoping that you enjoy what is being presented, but you're not the final authority. You're not the one I'm getting the grade from. Well, when we study the Bible, we have to keep that in mind. You are studying not to make yourself feel better or to show off to your friend or to try to find something that makes you feel good. You're studying to make sure that you get the good marks from God. We understand that when we study to show ourselves approved to God, it takes work and it starts with diligence in study. Beyond that, we also see not only diligence in study, but we see that there's a discipline by the student a discipline by the student. The word work means to labor. And Bible study requires a lot of hard work in order for it to be done properly. It's not something that you read and say, all right, I think I got this. Let me explain it. But it takes work to make sure it's done correctly. Now, for convenience sake, Bible doctrine is often divided into a number of branches. So that way we can get a better understanding of it. We have theology, which is the study of God proper. We have Christology, which is the study of Christ. Pneumatology, the study of the Holy Spirit. Bibliology, which is kind of what we've been doing for the last several weeks. The study of the Bible. Angelology, the study of the angels. Soteriology, the study of salvation. Hermotiology, the study of sin. Anthropology, the study of man. Eschatology, the study of last things. And ecclesiology, the study of the church. Now, we can even break things down even further, but those are examples that we could take a whole thing of Bible study and bring it down to one category and have plenty of things to explore just within that category. Now, in each of these studies, there are disagreements and mixtures of philosophies uh, by commentators, by YouTubists, by whatever. No wonder it takes a Bible student to be called a workman to discern and divide all of that to see what the Word of God has to say and make sure we have a clear understanding of truth and not from someone else's opinion to be able to study it. It takes discipline by the student 
in working and studying God's word. Now again, my purpose is not to dissuade you from study. I want to tell you that every biblical, every Bible believing Christian should be a student of the Bible. But it takes work. By the way, it's a work that pays off. We see this idea that studying the word of God, it's it takes work. And we can see the diligence and study. We can see the discipline of the student. But we also see there's the division of the scriptures. The Bible teaches us in a passage we're very familiar with in the last couple of weeks that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. That means that the Bible doesn't mean one thing to you and means a different thing to a different person. Instead, it means that there was one thing that God meant by it. And when we study God's word, we're trying to find out what did God mean by that passage. Now, in order to do that, we could ask some basic questions, which we went over on Sunday night. You do different things like who is speaking. That's quite important that you make sure you know who is speaking. For example, if you read a passage that Judas said this and Jesus said this, which one would you rather trust? Well, Judas, of course, right? You want it, it matters what he, no, we would like to see what Jesus has to say about the matter. It does matter who is speaking. Then you ask the question, who are they speaking to? Who's the audience? Did you know that Jesus spoke differently to the disciples than he did the Pharisees? With the disciples, he's trying to bring them along. With the Pharisees, he's trying to warn them or try to correct their behavior. He speaks to them differently. Then we have to understand what are they saying? What are they saying? What are they getting across? And how does the audience understand what is being said? That's important because we know that there are cultural things. Language changes a little bit. We need to understand what did the audience understand that writer meant. And then, of course, we try to take the Bible as literally as possible. Even in figurative language, we take the Bible literally. So that way we're not stuck on trying to find out what hidden codes or anything. We just find what the Bible has to say. Now, all the work of rightly dividing doesn't mean that we scorn the help of others. God has given the gift of teachers to the church. And the teachers could be a great help. Aren't you glad that with our technology, with our... Uh, books with the things that we have available, we don't have to start from scratch in our Christian life. That we can actually build off the foundation and the faith of the work of others to help us move forward. We don't have to start at scratch. We're so thankful that we have books and scholars and people who can explain things. Those are great helps and keys as we try to discern God's word. But the important thing is that we have to be in God's word ourselves. I was just talking with someone the other day. They were talking about uh, my Bible study and how I study the Bible. He's a young man who, um, who thinks that he may be a preacher one day and was trying to ask about the study. And I was trying to tell him the most important thing about the Bible is to look. L-O-O-K. Look. That too often we cheat and we go to commentaries without failing to look at the scriptures. Actually seeing what it says. Looking for ourselves, And once we look for ourselves, then we could see what others have said and help build off of that. But it's important that we look. But it's not harmful to have other resources. A diligent student will build an ever-growing library of useful books. Um, Paul tell Timothy, he says, give diligence to reading. Now, when he's talking diligence to reading in that context, he's not talking about the Bible. 
He says, Timothy, you need to read other books. You need to have a library of books. Build up your faith. I have one person who um, I've been influencing. They would call and ask questions. And every time I talk and I mention a book, they are very quick to write down that book to make sure that they can get it. You should be that way. Find and start building a resource for yourself. Start learning from good materials to start building up your own faith in reading. Um, I'll go ahead and take a pause here. (laughs) Someone was talking to me the other day. I was at a preacher's conference, so they were all waiting in line talking. They were talking about, you, you, you speak a lot about reading. How do you get time to read? Quite simple. Put books everywhere. Wherever you're at, have a book. So if you got a couple minutes, have a book in your car. So when you got to wait in line for something, take out the book. Put a book in your bathroom. Put one on your nightstand. Put ones wherever you're going to relax at. If you got a minute, read a book. That's why biographies are so wonderful. Because biographies are easy to start and stop. You don't have to start trying to get prepared to read a, like a big theology drive book or college book. Biographies you can have everywhere and they'll encourage your faith. How do you get time to read? You just use the time that you have and use it wisely. Have books everywhere. You know, I'm old-fashioned and like paper books, but you know with devices like Kindles and phones, you can have thousands of books. There's no excuse not to say I don't have, have nothing to read. You have plenty of things to read. Or have a paper book. Have something handy always. But that's part of diligence of studying, is looking for, having a hunger, desire to learn more, and building off the foundation of what others have already laid. Learn to study and read Now with this, we talked about rightly dividing the word of truth. It takes work. But then we could see wrongly dividing the word of truth hurts people's faith. Wrongly dividing the word of truth hurts people's faith. Notice this. Verse number 14. Of these things, put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but subverting the hearers. Let's pause there. You know what people will do is that they will use words and they'll argue over words. They'll get together after church or they'll get together uh, in groups in the church and they'll use words to start babbling, to start discussing, to start whatever else. These wordy battles are found in the church. The word subverting is where we get our word catastrophe, which also gets the word to overthrow. That is, people start getting in these wordy battles because of these false preachers are subverting the hearers. They're causing catastrophe. They're overthrowing their faith. We have to be careful with that. When people wrongly divide the word of truth, it could cause a a lot of disaster in people's lives. Notice as it continues to go on verse 16. But shun profane and vain babblings. For they will increase into more ungodliness. The more that people are stuck on profane and vain babblings, the more ungodliness that will increase. Well, how does this work? Well, when some people have some false doctrine and they feel like they have to go tell everyone else about it and then someone confronts them, they go back to study. But they're not trying to study what's right. They're trying to prove themselves that they are right can't tell you how many times that's happened where I say something and they didn't quite hear what I said. And so they went off on a tangent and they went to their Bibles to study. You'd almost think it's a good thing. 
But then they come with a list with everything backing up their thing to prove that I'm wrong. And they want to go give me the list. And <laughs> they didn't hear me right in the first place. And it happens. And what happens because of their pride, they want to double down and they want to prove to everyone that they were right. And so they'll study some more. And that study is not profitable. It's not rightly dividing the word of truth. But it's performing more ungodliness. That's what verse 16 to 7. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase into more ungodliness. When someone doesn't correctly divide the word of truth, when they don't rightly divide the word of truth, one of the end results is more ungodliness. It's not profitable. It's not helping. It's making things worse. The more that this is allowed to continue, the more false doctrine and debate will eat like a canker. Notice in verse 17. And their word, so shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And their word will eat as doth a canker. It carries the idea that this canker is going to continue to eat away. What is canker, by the way? It's like gangrene. It's where the the limb is starting to get diseased and it will kill the live tissue until the choice is to amputate the, the limb or die. And so the Bible says this false doctrine is going to start eating away at a canker. It's going to start causing the body to get gangrene. And then there's no choice but to have surgery and you're going to have to cut it out. Now, we want to stop it before it spreads. We want to make it where the incision is small. However, any incision is going to hurt. Someone said that any surgery is major surgery. Does it matter if you have a hangnail or if you ingrown toenail or just some minor thing? If it's happening to you, it's major because we don't like pain. Well, when false doctrine starts getting in and someone wants to double down and they're not rightly dividing the word of truth, it has to be handled or it's going to grow. And the more that it grows, the more that's going to have to be cut out and the more damage that's going to be done in the long run. Now, the purpose is to help. You have to cut it out in order to save the whole tissue, to save the whole limb, but it has to be taken care of. It could destroy the faith of newer Christians. Notice what happens here as they give an illustration, verse 17. And their word will eat as a canker, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus. Now, these are two people that Paul knew and Timothy knew. And there was an incident that happened where they were doing false doctrine. And Paul is bringing to remembrance to Timothy. Hey, you remember these two yehus? You remember what damage they do? What damage did they do? Well, notice with me in verse 18. Who concerning the truth have erred. They've right, wrongly divided the word of truth. What did they err? What did they mess up on? Saying that the resurrection is past already and overthrow the faith of some. Now, what were they teaching? They went around and started teaching people that the rapture already happened. Sorry, you were not part of the rapture. You missed out. You're done. Sorry, guys. You are missed out on the... Now, do you think that would hurt the faith of some baby Christian? Absolutely. Can you imagine there's religions out there that say only 144,000 are going to heaven and those slots are already filled up? How would you like to join them knowing that you can't go to heaven? Do you think that hurts the faith of some? 
Absolutely. How about the idea that some people go to heaven. God has predestined some people to go to heaven. And there's some people he hasn't predestined. If you're not one of those chosen, no matter what you do, you're not going to heaven. Do you think that would hurt the faith of some? So when people wrongly divide the word of truth, what happens is that they truly hurt other people. And it spreads as a cancer. And to get that cancer cut out, it's going to affect others that are innocent. And it's going to harm them. And Paul is telling Timothy, he says, don't let this happen again. Watch out because you got guys like this who err concerning the scripture. They wrongly divide the word of truth and they hurt people. You understand our faith is precious. And for someone to have their faith destroyed is an awful thing. Jesus makes a reference of this inside of the gospel records. He gives this warning several times where he's talking about children. And he says that if anyone hurts the faith of a child, it would be better for him, for that man to be, have a millstone hung around his neck and him drowned in the depths of the sea than to harm the faith of one of these little ones. Let's put that in context. You have a teacher who takes a child and teaches the Bible incorrectly to the child and damages their faith. Maybe it's something as simple as, hey, this isn't the word of God. This has mistakes in it. You go ahead and read whatever you want. Well, someone who has a weak faith believes them and then believes that this isn't the word of God. Do you think that would damage them for the rest of their life? Yes. And you know what God said concerning that false teacher, that wrong teacher? It would be better when they face God. It would have been better if they put a, someone put a millstone. That's like a big anchor. So imagine a big ship anchor. Putting that anchor around their neck and then they put them in the depths of the sea. When that anchor is not going to let them back up. It'd be better for that to happen than then face Jesus after they've ruined someone's faith. You understand to be a Bible teacher of any sort, whether it's a Sunday school teacher, whether it's preaching for the pulpit, whether it's teaching a class, and they mess up someone's faith, they are in trouble with God. That's a big warning, isn't it? You understand to be able to rightly divide the word of truth is a very, very big deal. And for Paul, putting an emphasis here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit said, listen, when the word of truth is wrongly divided, it's going to hurt people's faith. It's going to damage them. Let's get one more thing here. Rightly dividing the word of truth allows us to stand on God's promises. Rightly dividing the word of truth allows us to stand on God's promises. Notice with me in verse 19. Nevertheless, so meaning an opposite of the Yehus who were teaching wrong. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Having this seal, this promise, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. So when we understand God's Bible and it's properly interpreted, it builds our faith in God and allows us to stand on God's word because we trust it. I was just studying in Psalm 119. Do you know why we consider God's word righteous? Because of the character of God. Because God is righteous. And because God is righteous, his word is righteous. And we're able to trust God's word because we trust the character of God. 
For those people who don't trust God's word, it's because they don't trust the character of God. They have something in their mind that God's a liar. That God doesn't keep his word. He doesn't keep his promises. He doesn't like me or whatnot. We understand that our view of God affects our view of the Bible. Is God perfect? Yes. Then can he give us a perfect book? Yes. When we say that God is righteous, that means that everything he says and does is right. Well, when he gives us his word, it is right. And because God is righteous, I can believe his word. I can stand on God's word. I can trust in his promises. And when the Bible is correctly interpreted, it allows Christians to depart from iniquity and keep our eyes on God. That was the whole thing. Verse 19, nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. You could stand on God's word because you could stand on God. You could trust God. You could trust what he said. Having this seal, here's a promise to take. The Lord knoweth them that are his. Isn't that a great promise? God knows who you are, and he knows those who have trusted him as savior. It's no surprise to God. He doesn't have to check his roles. He knows who you are. What a great privilege and understanding that is. God knows who I am. He knows that I've trusted him. And meaning another promise, let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Because I trust God, I could stand on his promises and stay away from iniquity because it's what God told me to do. Everything that God told me is right. So when God said fleeth fornication, that means it's good for me. It's right for me to flee fornication. I could stand on God's promises. God's word is our only authority, only authority for faith and practice. Without the Bible, we have no faith to please him. We understand the Bible says in Romans chapter 10 verse 17, that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Where do we get faith? From God's word. If we can't have God's word and we don't trust God's word, or if God's word is messed up for us, then our faith falters. Our faith stands on God's word and our faith in God's word stands when we know who God is. This is why it is so important to rightly divide God's word because it's not the idea of a pet thing that makes me feel good or some doctrine that I like. People's faith are is in the balance. And when we rightly divide the word of truth, it helps people stand and look towards the Lord. When we wrongly divide the word of truth, it hurts people's faith and turns them away from trusting who God is. This is why we need a study to show ourselves approved unto God. We have to do it for his sake because what we teach and what we believe affects the faith of others. This is a serious thing. Now again, my purpose of this is not to dissuade you from studying the Bible. But what it is to do is to show you that to study the Bible is a serious thing. It does matter. And you should take it seriously to study yourself approved unto God. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time 
to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three oh eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three oh eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.